1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, I don't know how many people are talking about this, how many people are playing this audio. It's going on today. Uh, many of the interviews or conversations or whatever you want to call them are over. Uh, Nikki Haley is currently going through uh, the Tucker Carlson chat uh, wheel or whatever that is, the tornado. Um, look, you, you could hate Tucker Carlson. Uh, that's fine. Uh, you can love Tucker Carlson. That's also fine. I wouldn't describe myself as either of those things. I don't love the guy. I didn't watch him every night on TV. I, I don't hate him. Uh, some of the things he said that went viral, I saw and I thought were interesting, uh, if not certainly opinion, uh, definitely opinion that sometimes he, he backed up with a video and other things. So he wasn't anywhere near the uh, crazy, horrible, terrible person uh, that someone who uh, thinks he's a crazy, horrible, terrible, terrible person tells you he is. Uh, those people probably barely ever watched him when he was on TV or barely ever watch him now. And then the people who also love him at times, yes, uh, he injects his own opinion into stuff, uh, which might be good or bad, uh, depending on uh, who you are and, and what you think. And especially in the world of interviewing candidates for uh, the president or for the uh, Republican nomination. Um, but this is wildly fascinating, uh, wildly entertaining uh, to me. I'm, I'm enjoying the crap out of a lot of this. And a bunch of stuff is already going viral. Um, here is here are two of the bigger viral moments so far. Uh, the first one is a back and forth with former Vice President Pence about support for Ukraine. And Tucker definitely takes a moment to throw some of his opinion out there. Uh, by the way, the crowd is cheering hardest for Tucker. Every time that he uh, does this, it would be hard. I, it almost feels like a Trump rally in that sense, uh, where Trump starts to go off whatever his script might be, if they even give him a full script at this point uh, in his career. Uh, and just starts to feed off the crowd because because Tucker is doing more and more uh, and the crowd is loving it. So, again, and I'm enjoying it, actually. Uh, here's here's uh, moment one uh, that's definitely viral and probably going to be heard as, in as many places as are willing to play this. And by the way, the blaze, the thing uh, I should say that real quick, uh, the network or, or whatever you want to call it, broadcast organization uh, that is putting this on is Glenn Beck's. Uh, Glenn Beck, who's heard right here on this radio station, uh, they are the ones that are, are hosting or allowing for all of this to to be a thing that's out there anywhere. And all of these candidates, including DeSantis, the only one that said no is uh, Trump, uh, are willing to, to appear and be part of it throughout the day to day. But here's that first back and forth. January, we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, have you I know you're running for president. You are distra you. You are distressed notice. that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Yeah. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. Right. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. <laughs> Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not <laughs> my concern. Wow. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. I think Joe Biden has weakened America at home and abroad. That is uh, a part of the response, but that's the uh, viral moment that's being shared a lot on social media. Um, Pence did try to fight back a lot. 
but I don't think he was terribly successful. I have a bunch more Pence audio I will get to later. Uh, Asa Hutchinson is probably the other most viral moment uh, in this. You know what's interesting? And I'll just throw this out there. And it's not necessarily intent to defend myself, although I did get several shots of the vaccine. Uh, over 50 percent of Republicans did. Uh, far less Republicans than Democrats got vaccinated at all. Uh, but over 50 percent of those who identified as Republican uh, also uh, got, I think, two shots of the covid vaccine, most likely. Uh, so a, a, a majority, a, a small majority, 50 something percent. Um, so as Tucker says this, there are a lot of people in the audience who won't have the same answer Tucker has for it. But the answer Tucker gave certainly made people happy. One of the powers that government did usurp. Uh, over the past several years is, is the right to decide what medicine you take in the form of, of COVID mandates. Um, how did you feel about that? And how many COVID shots did you take? And how do you feel about it now in retrospect? How many COVID shots did you take? Zero. <laughs> but, but I think it's fair. And, yeah, it I, is. and I can see that you sure. recoiled when I asked you that question. Um, and I don't think, honestly, you should be asking people about their medical care. You but that became a, a matter of public policy. It did become a matter of public policy. And Tucker even says I shouldn't be asking this question, but I am. And this is the way in which I demonstrate my own uh, ideology uh, onto, um, you know, the, within the conversation. And it, it's a valuable one. Um, and actually, I think that's I think even Trump has said that uh, as he is sort of waffled back and forth on taking any sort of credit for the existence of the vaccine. It'll be a very powerful thing if he does that, if he winds up being the nominee on a stage against a Democrat like uh, President Biden, if he's the guy running. Now, I don't know why I get a sense that there uh, may be something that happens. And I know I've said before that I don't think that's true. Uh, but as things continue to go the way they go, I, I don't know. It's a long time from now uh, for us to actually get into that part of the Democrat versus Republican uh, running for office thing. And so sadly, a lot of things can happen uh, in the world of people's health and whatnot. Uh, but anyway, I, I want to move back to the, again, the similar or the, the easier position uh, to chat about right now, which is uh, I think that Trump has at times said that since he is responsible uh, for Operation Warp Speed, and that's what got the vaccine out there, that it's a hard shot to take against him that he didn't do enough in the world of COVID. Uh, but really, the, the heart of the, the question to, uh, I think, Asa Hutchinson is it should have always been a choice. It never should have been forced on anyone. It shouldn't be a scarlet letter on the conservative or the Republican or, excuse me, the Democratic side of the aisle, whether you did or didn't uh, get a shot. For Democrats, of course, if you say no, that would be a horrific scarlet letter. And I think something like 97 percent of Democrats were vaccinated. Um, but on the Republican side, I don't think either one should matter uh, because, again, the bigger problem is the fact that no one had a choice. And if you look back at it and decide you would want to do things over, maybe people feel a different way. Uh, but anyway, those were two of the most viral moments so far for Tucker. Uh, he did in ways press uh, Tim Scott, who is probably the other uh, bigger name. Nikki Haley, as I said, is, is talking right now. So I'll probably have some clips for that a little bit later on. Uh, but there was a moment where Tucker uh, kind of pressed Tim Scott about um, illegal immigration and Tim Scott tried to make a joke. And that didn't seem to land with Tucker, but it did seem to land with some of the audience. We have to identify where they are. And I'm not going to pretend that that will be an easy task, but that should be the response. Well, well, wait a second. The federal government's like knows where everyone is because everyone has a has a smartphone and they're yes, tracking you. Yes, yes, you know, yes. So like we know anyone using a fake Social Security number, want to just like drop them off in Tijuana. Bye bye. 
I'm going to appoint Tucker Carlson as my bye-bye ambassador to figure this out. So we're going to work together on this. And I, I'm a sincere question. I, like I'm sincere maybe as the well. reason that people come by the millions yes. uninvited illegally, making a mockery of the rule of law. I have to obey the law, but someone from Haiti doesn't, or what? But they come because they know that no politician will say, come and you're, you're leaving. Like, they don't put up with this in Japan. I think a lot of politicians actually do say that uh, as a response to Tucker. And then actually I think what Tim Scott – and I'm not trying to overly defend Tim Scott. Uh, Tucker didn't actually attack him as bad as anyone else, or at least a lot of that's not viral. I didn't see the entire uh, conversation. Uh, maybe more will come up. Uh, but people who give fake Social Security numbers sometimes also give fake uh, addresses and fake other things. Uh, so I'm not sure if it would be as easy as Tucker is saying it is, but I'm sure a lot of people would be in support for uh, versions of conversations that figure out how to um, you know, fix a problem that definitely is something that has become a huge uh, talking point and a huge uh, focal point for a lot of Americans, especially as you continue to see a lot of record-setting numbers uh, at our, our border. Um, but Tim Scott, again, probably uh, got the easiest of the chats. Uh, there is one other moment I'll play uh, of Tim Scott and Tucker, and I'll, I'll dive deeper into all the stuff that happened between Pence and Tucker because there's a lot of it. Uh, Asa Hutchinson doesn't really feel like there's value in playing it. I don't think he's a realistic candidate at all. And I think today probably helped demonstrate that to anyone that showed up to this blaze um, or is watching this blaze thing. Uh, but here's the other moment where Tucker and Tim uh, Scott, at least, uh, conflicted a little. Uh, where are you on on the matter of sending cluster bombs? to the Ukrainian military? Well, if I was president of the United States, we wouldn't have to. Here's what you saw. But, but well. now that we have, what do you think of it? Well, I mean, I think they're, they're there. So here's what I would suggest is that Well, they're not. I don't think they're there yet. Well, <laughs> then think we should send them. I think that the mistake <laughs> is when you... I, did, I like that. I, I, some people might not like that, that Tucker kept trying to interject as you're trying to avoid part of the question. Be like, well, no, they're, they're there, but they're not there. But come on, give me the answer to the thing I asked. But here's the rest of the yeah, answer. President Biden saying to the world that... Here are a host of weapons that we no longer have the ammunition to supply. You have a request coming from Ukraine saying we need more of the weapons that you say you don't have to, to, to provide. As opposed to keeping top secret information in your closet, you go to the front pages of every news station. You go to the screens and sure. President Biden says to the world, we don't have the ammunition. And so what you see from Ukraine is they say send the cluster bombs over. Under my administration, we would have the resources and a defense industrial complex that provides the weapons that we need and our Western allies need. We wouldn't be in this position at all. Do you think he should send them? I wouldn't have to. He already has agreed to do so. Huh. Uh <laughs> I do like <laughs> I do like the little sarcastic ha huh, at the end there, too, uh, when the answer, do you think we should send them, was never really given definitively. Uh, but I think um, there is some argument to be made that if I was in the position, we wouldn't have been here anyway. Uh, but I'm guessing Tim Scott would actually say no. Um, but it is a position no one really takes in this conversation. So, again, a lot of what Tucker is doing to a lot of Republican politicians is fascinating. And I think a, a portion of why he's being so um, Tucker about this is because he's been unleashed from Fox News, although I wonder maybe not. Um, the things he said at the Heritage Foundation, um, which was a, a speaking engagement he had right before Fox fired him, uh, and I actually knew people uh, that were at that, uh, that told me that they had gotten to talk to Tucker, a family member of mine 
is in media and also friends with Tucker Carlson, so they, who's actually backstage with him. And uh, this is something that he said on his own show, so I, I'll just throw it out there uh, that Tucker had no idea he was going to get fired. He definitely didn't lead on or, or behave as though he was about to get canned. So it was shocking uh, to him or shocking to my family member uh, to find out that Tucker got let go that following Monday. It was a Friday engagement at the Heritage Foundation, and he said, Tucker – in that appearance, a lot of the same things he seems to be saying now. And actually, he trashed most of these uh, candidates on his Fox show. So maybe I'm wrong about just how much the um, the muzzle would have been off anyway. But I'm not I'm sure Fox wouldn't have been happy about some of what's happening here, especially when we get to DeSantis, uh, depending on how that goes. And I will say one last thing about that, because it hasn't happened yet. I have no audio for it, is if DeSantis can't beat Tucker Carlson, um, which I don't know if he can. Uh, he will never beat Donald Trump. Uh, that is not a conversation or debate uh, that he will benefit in in having, uh, which means that I think DeSantis is probably no longer a realistic candidate in the Republican side of the aisle. And so it's, it's a huge risk right now. Uh, and I feel like DeSantis has taken several of them so far in his candidacy, the Twitter announcement in the first place, probably one of the bigger ones. So that will be probably must watch for most Republican voters or people who are leaning Republican and certainly DeSantis supporters, uh, because Tucker is going after everybody else. He's definitely going to go after DeSantis. Uh, quick break, a lot more, 1470. We'll maybe do a palate cleanser for a bit, uh, but I have a bunch of other audio to play. And as I said, I find this wildly fascinating, so it's hard for me to, to get away from it. But we'll try to talk about some other things in just a bit. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. All right, I'm going to go back to the Tucker Carlson stuff because we have guests coming up uh, just after the five or the 3.30, excuse me, news. Um, and actually, I have guests after the 5.30 news as well. But after the 3.30 news, so that'll be the palate cleanser. So let's get a little bit more of this in. Uh, the Blaze team... Uh, the the Blaze panel that's breaking down, including Glenn Beck, uh, some of the things that are happening on stage were they were asking questions about whether or not Tucker should be just running himself. I'll play a little bit of that. Is Tucker on the wrong end of these conversations? I mean, if he's just jumped up and says, guys, I'm announcing I'm running. I think this crowd would lose its freaking mind. That's what I think. Shut it down. Yeah. Call it a day. Is he on the wrong end of these conversations, do you think, Arn? He's getting the loudest applause of anybody in the room so far. You can definitely feel that. I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of amazing. The thing I learned here is how out of step with the base so many of these candidates are. And you- At least on certain issues. Uh, there's a lot of things where candidates are outing themselves. So they're asking the question, and the audience seems to be providing part of the answer. Should Tucker be running himself? I doubt he will. And I know he'd be a polarizing candidate uh, to a lot of people anyway. Maybe not a lot of conservatives and Republicans, but uh, the news media would have a field day with attacking him just like DeSantis and Trump. Uh, but here, this is a Nikki Haley moment that just happened a little bit ago. Um, Tucker was asking a question about how many uh, federal agencies, how many bureaucracies uh, right now seem to interfere uh, with things that they shouldn't be interfering with, of course, referencing uh, things like the um, Justice Department and what's going on uh, with Trump uh, without actually explicitly, excuse me, saying that. And Nikki Haley answered that question. And there's a little bit of back and forth here. You know, when I was governor, um, I went and replaced the heads of every agency. It's the first thing I did when I came to office. It's the first thing a president should do is you control what you can control, and you start with your agency. So I replaced the heads of every agency. I made sure they were people. um, Some didn't vote for me, but they were people who knew that sector. So if it was veterans, it was someone who knew the challenges of veterans. If it was tourism, it was someone who knew heads and beds, people on golf courses. They knew what they needed to do, and I did that across the board. But the second thing I did is I put people in 
every agency. I send in teams into every agency to clean it up, pull down regulations, pull out down old issues, get rid of problem children. So in some cases, we had to problem tweak children. agencies. In other cases, we had to gut agencies. If you look at the American people don't trust our intelligence agencies. They don't trust our Department of Justice. So you can't just replace the person at the top. You've got to go through and really look at gutting those agencies and getting out a lot of that senior management and things that happen. All right, it's actually going to be audio I'll play later on where there's more back and forth between Tucker and Nikki Haley on that. He just kind of let her talk. I do want to play this as one of the other bigger things out there, uh, since, as I said, we'll be moving on from this topic to chat with some guests in about uh, – 10 minutes or so, and then we'll get back to it maybe a little later on. Uh, This was a back and forth about January 6th between Tucker Carlson and former Vice President Mike Pence, an interesting person to be talking uh, about when it comes to that uh, specific event, day, whatever you want to call it. All I know for sure, having lived through it at the Capitol, is that it was a tragic day. Um, I've never used the word insurrection, Tucker, over the last two years, but... It was a riot that took place at the Capitol that day. I saw firsthand in the, where they'd evacuated us down to the loading dock below the Senate chamber, police officers that, as the day wore on, were streaming through 150 law enforcement officers that were assaulted. Obviously, the tragic loss of life ransacking the Capitol that occurred. But I really do believe that a day of tragedy became a triumph of freedom And I'll always believe that by God's grace, I did my duty that day under the Constitution of the United States of America and our institutions held. When you say the tragic loss of life, who are you referring to? Well, obviously, uh, Ashley Babbitt would come to mind immediately. What do you think think of the fact that she was shot? Well, I, I just think it was a tragic moment without question. But I would, I have to tell you. Here's the thing. Uh, you can tell the audience is not applauding, not loving a lot of what Pence is saying about uh, even the, the simple comment, the loss of life, without more specificity. Uh, and I've thrown this out there, and I'll throw this out there just quickly. The New York Times actually was a place that confirmed some of what was previously reported on and then sort of objected to in the world of how many uh, lives were lost on January 6th, uh, two I wound up being connected directly to the events of January 6th. And again, you can look this up in the New York Times, which you cannot accuse of being a right-leaning organization. Uh, The two other officers who died uh, that had previously been reported to be connected uh, to January 6th wound up, uh, or excuse me, two other uh, people involved. I don't think they were both police officers uh, that died, wound up dying of natural causes, according to those um, medical examiners who looked into those cases deeper, uh, which is odd because that's not really talked about that much anymore in the buzz sentence of loss of life in January 6th are used together. But even the New York Times has objected to that. Now, granted, there were other officers who took their own lives uh, much later down the road, uh, which um, I think is a mental health argument as far as why they did that and was that caused by the events of January 6th and their own actions. Uh, but that is a, a different, I think, version of a discussion than what typically happens. So I think that's probably one of the reasons, outside of what Tucker said, that the audience didn't really react as uh, Pence put that out there. It is not a message that's on the conservative side of the aisle at all. It's certainly a message that's very much more on the Democratic side of the aisle to just say those two sentences. And so I thought it was actually a brilliant question by Tucker to say, when you say tragic loss of life, who do you mean? Uh, Because 
there needs to be more specificity there, uh, even according one last time, just to make sure you understand my source on this, according to The New York Times. Quick break, a lot more. Will's got the news. Guest coming up next. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. It's been a while since I chatted with my friends at the Neon Bison. Uh, how are you guys doing? Hey, Craig. How are Hi. you? Great. Really great. Um, uh, I'm excited to have both of you in here. Kelly's in here, uh, who tends bar over there, and you actually are going to start to throw out the first parts of what this whole thing is going to be. Uh, there's an event coming up at the Neon Bison that's somewhat connected to the St. Jude Memphis to Peoria run, correct? Correct. Okay. What is that event, first and foremost? It is jamming for Josie, and cancer doesn't have a stand a chance. And it's in honor of my niece, Josie, okay. who is battling St. Jude as we speak. Battling cancer as we speak at St. Jude. Wow. Uh, how um, old is your niece? She is 16. Okay. Um, she was diagnosed about 14 months ago with AML and had a bone marrow transplant. And just in the last wow. um, two to three weeks, she relapsed. So she's back at St. Jude. Okay. Um, because this is something that you guys have uh, both kind of um, uh, been a part of before, right? Last year, I remember yes. the Neon Bison had an event that was tied the same to St. Jude. This is the second annual. Okay, second annual. Mm-hmm. And that was also inspired by your niece at that My point? My niece and also our DJ, okay. Corey Freeze, his um, brother, gotcha. is also 16 and a St. Jude patient. Okay, got it. Um, uh, so what is going to be going on on uh, Sunday the 6th throughout the day at St. at um, uh, Neon Bison? And by the way, you guys are also moving locations. I'm going to ask John about that in a little bit. But okay. um, uh, go ahead, Kelly, with what's going on on the 6th. The event runs from 12 p.m. that day till about 9 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a dunk tank, who yours truly right in front of you <laughs> is, is in that dunk tank. Yeah, I, I heard a rumor. I, <laughs> I, rumor. I, did agree, I did agree to that. We you might sent have me a text. couple owners in the dunk tank <laughs> Sweet. as well. Sweet. Um, we do you have, want any other radio people for the dunk tank? Should we I get do Scott not. Robbins? We need more, more okay. radio people. would be great. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I think Scott Robbins, our midday show, yep. needs to be a part we of this dunk tank. We can put a heater on this thing if you need to you know, whatever you guys need. No, I think it's better not to. It's better to go the other way. Yeah. Uh, we have live music by Danny Ryman, a country singer, Bradley Allen Coco, another country singer. Nice. Now in Zen, he plays a Zendrum. Mm-hmm. And the Dirty Mics will be finish it out. Oh, I love the Dirty Mics. And it'll be outside. Um, we have a live auction with, right now I have 21 baskets made up from anywhere from Bradley University donations wow. to tons of food, gift certificates, tickets, all kinds of stuff. Um, we have... Food provided by All Winds and Sons. We're gonna cook wow, out, nice. we're gonna cook out pork chops and hamburgers. Um, I love All Winds and Sons too. That's they have the best hamburger in the do. history they, of the world. That's quality. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. Their pork chops are good too. They, yep. Their pork chops are great too. Yes. Yep. Uh, cool. Uh, well, it sounds like a, a must-go-to event, uh, mostly because you can throw something at a target and dunk me into water uh, throughout the day. <laughs> if you're listening and want to do that, uh, feel free. Uh, come on out. Uh, but it's throughout the day on the sixth, and I love that you guys tie an event like this and a lot of fun like this, a lot of summer kind of activity to something important, to St. Jude and to that There's run. also a bags tournament. You can sign up for a bags tournament cool. up until right before it board, $20 a person. That all goes to St. Jude. Wow. Mm-hmm. So uh, pretty much all the money raised throughout yes. that yes. day yeah. will wind up going yep. to St. Jude. Yep. Um, John, for you, uh, is this a passion because you have someone you work with closely uh, who has family members tied to this? Are there any other reasons that St. Jude is an organization you want to support? Well, you know, um, I'm similar to a lot of people out there that, I've had the connection personally with cancer. My sure. mother passed away at the age of 53. Wow. Um, so this would have been quite a while ago now. 
And uh, I've also had several other friends that have had family members that St. Jude has been a part of. So for our personal family, uh, St. Jude wasn't a part of that cancer story. But, you know, cancer was there, but then also just with our other friends and then, of course, uh, Kelly being you know an integral part to what we do there, yes. it just made perfect sense that hey, such a great organization that's been doing such a big uh, service uh, to the community for such a long time, and then now even just through our family. No, at the yeah, Bison. and honestly, the Memphis to Peoria runs a really cool event, and I know a lot of people have a whole bunch of fun when they get back in town. Uh, showing up to stuff like this or, or, you know, helping out. And just uh, if you want to, Kelly, for a second, talk about St. Jude and what they do, because I've been involved in some other stuff connected to St. Jude, and I've talked to parents of people that are going through, you know, different treatments. And the fact that there's never bills, the fact that St. Jude does all these things to sort of help and provide as much as possible in the world of, of cancer and kids is is just tremendous. It's a moving thing. I don't know if you have to have a heart of stone to not want to support what St. Jude does. Correct. But for you personally, are there any things that you would share, just any experience I mean, it's just from your amazing. family? My, my niece had no symptoms. She went in for a routine volleyball physical. They noticed spots on her hands. They put her on the private jet to St. Jude that evening. Wow. Um, they have. I, she has an apartment there. She's already checked back into the apartment. She's right now going through her bone marrow biopsy as we speak. Wow. So, I mean, they're amazing what they have done for her. Yes, absolutely. They're amazing what they do for so many. Uh, so please come out on August 6th to the Neon Bison uh, and be a part of every part of that event and try to throw a ball at something and throw me in water, <laughs> which I'm very happy that I'm going to get to keep saying. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the location move. It's been reported in the yeah. news this week. Uh, the Neon Bison is a very popular bar, uh, and you guys will have some more ability if you move a little bit down the street, right? It's not even that big of a move. Yeah, we're like a block and a half away from where we're at now, so okay. it won't be very hard. Hopefully, you can see our sign from – it would just be across the street and a sure. block and a half up. So many signs to take down, though, inside that. So many neon <laughs> signs to move. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea that movers are going to come, help you out with moving stuff, and then drive a half block and be like, really? We're done? Um, uh, tell me a little bit about the why. Why do you want to move? Well, you know, we've uh, loved getting to know uh, downtown in, in the way that we have with the Neon Bison uh, and all the support that we've gotten space is just a little small and you know we're kind of landlocked with uh being a brick building and sure. uh, they've got uh some big plans with the madison and and the rest of that and so we had an ability uh to move up the street a lot bigger space uh be able to add a kitchen mm-hmm. um you know we love having the the folks that come for all the different events for the civic center sure. and different things but there's a lot of those that are looking to eat before they go to the event and we, we aren't able to really um, help it's them out. It's so. not really easy to squeeze a five-piece band on the stage at the current Bison. The new, <laughs> right, yes. yes. The new bison. And we do have five- to eight-piece bands that come in and play at the Bison. I know, which is impressive. <laughs> you definitely do. I love the fact that also people won't keep saying the old judges' chambers to you yeah, guys. Sure, That's yeah. going to go away, too, which will be very nice. Um, what other events? Are there anything else? Because uh, we're running out of time that you guys would like to promote uh, at the Neon Bison. I know uh, August 6th is a couple weeks away. Anything coming up sooner? No, this weekend we have Jack Daniel. He's a country singer tonight. He's fantastic. Tomorrow we have Who's Your Daddy. They're a little bit of old rock and country. With an awesome name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great name. <laughs> really great name. Yeah, they're great. I know you got a night of country music next week on the 22nd. Uh, you have uh, Now and Zen, I think, coming up in a few weeks as well, mm-hmm. too. Uh, and then uh, a night of country music with Hunter uh, Wayne Scott. Yeah, he's uh, fantastic. He's out of Indiana. Yep, and that's mm-hmm. the night right before. So that's August 5th, and then on August 6th, you come out to the big giant event at the Neon Bison all day. What time does it start? 
Noon. Noon. Okay, perfect. And then it ends when you guys stop doing stuff? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Well, yeah. not necessarily. I mean, people can <laughs> hang out as long as they want. They can stay till 4 a.m. Yeah, we can just keep doing stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, if I get a little bit, um, you know, uh, uh, fun, then maybe I'll keep going back out to the dunk tank throughout the night. There, there you go. go. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys both for hanging out. I got John and Kelly in studio. Uh, John is the owner and manager of the bar, and Kelly is the uh, bar manager as well. Like the, the... Correct. Okay, yep. cool. Uh, so thank you both for uh, chatting a little bit, and good luck uh, on the big giant move uh, a block and a half down the street. A quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3 WMBD. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about. I'm going to play one more uh, piece of audio from uh, Tucker, Carl- uh, Tucker Carlson excuse me, and uh, former Vice President Mike Pence. And then we'll move on to some other stuff, and we'll get back to this uh, after 4 o'clock. But I did think that this was an interesting uh, back and forth, uh, a back and forth that was mostly centered on um, um, a aspect of Ukraine and a uh, – accusation that the Ukrainian government, that Vladimir Zelensky and others uh, arrested people of Christian faith. And so this was a uniquely interesting road to go down as far as a conversation goes with Pence, uh, who is someone that talks about faith a lot, uh, quite a bit more than most of the politicians on any side of a political aisle. And certainly even talked about recently, uh, the former vice president, how he is uh, stronger anti-abortion uh, or uh, more pro-life in some of his policies than most politicians on the same side of the aisle as him are. So let's hear a little bit of this back and forth. Around the world. I'm confused. On this question, it's very clear that the Zelensky government has arrested priests for having views they disagree with. That's not consistent with religious liberty. It's an attack on it. And we're funding it. And I'm just wondering how is it, and I, I don't mean to be disrespectful at all, but I sincerely wonder how a Christian leader could support the arrest of Christians for having different views. Well, what, what, what I can tell you is I asked the Christian leader in Kiev if that was in fact happening, and he assured me that it was not. People were not being persecuted for their religious beliefs. He says no in the uh, response to what has been a somewhat highly reported on thing, and then it continues. Would you, may, may I ask, would, would you be, and I, I believe you have a good faith position on this, and we have disagreements on it, but I want to just, I, I can't let you elide over the question of the treatment of Christians. And I, I know, I, I heard and that would again. would you be, well, no, but hold on, would you, you would you problem be problem is you don't accept my answer. I just told you that I asked the religious leader in Kiev if it was happening. You asked me if I raised the issue, and I did. And I'm saying I also raised it with the incorrect. Ukrainians, and I was told that there are, there are religious leaders who have been working with the Russian military that is murdering people by the thousands. Okay. I mean, tr- Tucker, look. Uh, Wait, but hold on. Don't you think... Let me explain to you what I think our national interest is there. I would Whoa. think you would have greater concern for religious liberty in Ukraine. And I'm surprised I, I told by you I raised the issue of religious liberty. No, you spoke to one person who's clearly I didn't on one I side of it. And I, there are many, many news reports that are not disputed by anybody that right. many clergy have been arrested in Ukraine. And I'm merely saying I may not agree with their views. I'm not Russian Orthodox. But you can't arrest clergy for having different views, period. Because if you do, you violate the basic tenet of look, religious I, liberty. I won't, look, I want to be clear with you. I won't stand by it. I won't stand for it. If people are being persecuted for their religious beliefs, I won't stand for it. In any country with which the country of our nation is supporting or our allies are supporting. Yes. What, what's interesting about that back and forth, just real quick, is that 
uh, Tucker is right when he says that no one really refutes that um, story that's been in the news, that there have been arrests of people that are religious leaders uh, in um, in Ukraine. And for some reason, the path that Pence goes to avoid the question more so than to answer it is to say that he talked to people and that's not happening. Uh, other things out there as we get a palate cleanser before we get back to that stuff in a little while. I thought this was interesting. A recent poll said that perfect weather uh, makes us feel certain ways. Uh, if weather is amazing, if it's not too hot, not you know, if it's just right, uh, then you want to eat healthier and be healthier. That's the number one reaction uh, we have to walking outside and things being amazing. Uh, you want to exercise more. Uh, that's number two on this list of stuff you want to do if, if things are perfect outdoors. Uh, take vitamins and supplements, number three. Maintain a regular routine, including getting more sleep is number four, play more sports and drink less alcohol. Those are the top six answers uh, that people give when it's this time of year and weather is amazing and not, you know, uh, overly hot or anything else, uh, which it has been for a while. I think that's fascinating for a, a very different reason. And maybe I'm using the word fascinating too much in the show, but I do. I actually think it's pretty interesting uh, because um, when it's cold out, you want to drink more uh, just because it's miserable. And then when it's warm out, Apparently, if it's perfect out, you want to just um, try to get yourself in the best shape of your life because you can do more things outside. Uh, maybe the idea of going to uh, some sort of uh, water park or, or body of water of some kind pops in to people's brains. I don't know. Uh, but I, I just love that because we all live willingly in Illinois and in Peoria. And so we deal with a lot of winter months, a lot of cold conditions. And apparently that ramps up. Uh, the drinking, uh, which is uh, fine for some of us as well. I just love that those things seem to be tied somewhat together. Uh, I saw this, too, uh, a new summer trend. Uh, when women are proudly flaunting uh, their their. Um, <laughs> I wanted to talk about the story and now I'm I'm. Uh, I'm chickening out at the moment. They're, they're flaunting their unshaven uh, bodies. That's what the story says. I think the New York Post and others reported on this. Um, men are also rocking outfits that they didn't wear as often in the past and I guess are more popular in Europe uh, but are more popular now here. Uh, but people are hairier is what the topic says. Uh, whether you hate to remove that hair one way or another is also in this story. Uh, there's a growing trend, at least according to the New York Post. I have not noticed that. Uh, that's one nice thing probably about us not having a giant uh, beach community uh, here in the area because uh, there is no body of water to go to, is not seeing what the trends are in the world of the beachgoers, uh, if that is, in fact, uh, what's going on. I wonder if it's just a New York thing. I wonder if it's a big city thing because I don't, I don't know if I've even – although I wouldn't really bring up this conversation with many people, uh, so maybe that's why I haven't had it. Uh, but I just thought that was an interesting thing out there in the world. Uh, let's also play this audio. Uh, I got an update from a story I did yesterday about a woman who put out a $5,000 – um, reward on finding a husband. Uh, this is part of what she said in social media when it went viral, uh, saying that she really, really wants to find someone soon in her life and she's willing to start paying for it. I don't know if scams will wind up being a response to this. I'm curious about it. But anyway, this audio is pretty good. Uh, with my boss like a couple years ago and I've now added my best friend, her husband and a couple other friends. But I feel like I'm just going to open it up to the general public because I'm good for it. So the bet slash offer is if you introduce me to my husband and I marry him, I will give you $5,000. <laughs> you know, I'm treating it like a referral fee, like any other job where you would have a referral fee, um, 
for example, in my own profession as a lawyer, if I bring in another lawyer, you know, I would get a referral fee for bringing them in because they assume that as I'm a decent lawyer, that I would be able to bring in other good candidates. When you just throw it out to the public, though, and especially when you do it on social media, and I feel like I, I partly said this yesterday, uh, you're opening yourself up to a whole bunch of potential problems in that world. Uh, but I do like that idea that you get some sort of referral fee or some sort of uh, finder's fee benefit. Maybe more people could do that. Uh, you know what? Actually, I, I hate that I want to talk about this, but I do. I, I help two people get married. Uh, I was working at a different radio station. Uh, one of the people was working uh, directly with me. It was my intern, and she had told me that she thought the intern on the show before us was very cute, and she had just been through a breakup. So she was telling me this stuff while we were working on uh, our radio show. And then one day, that other guy, who was kind of friendly with me too, uh, told me how cute he thought my intern was. And so I, I played matchmaker, and I feel proud of it. Uh, weird to brag about it all these years later, but they just got married. So I wanted to give a speech, and they said no. I was allowed to attend the wedding, but no speech. I feel like that was a missed opportunity. I had so many things to say. Uh, but anyway, I took a day off and asked uh, specially to let the one intern fill in for me so the two interns would work together. And I told him my plan. Uh, his name is Brian. I was like, hey, Brian, I'm going to give you an opportunity to work very, very closely with Aaron for an entire day. And maybe at the end of that day, if you feel like things are going OK, uh, you might uh, ask her out, which I feel like would also be wrong in today's political world or today's. Uh, and this was only a certain amount of years ago when this happened. But they both knew because I had told both of them that the other one had said they were attractive. So I set it up to be as easy as possible. It worked out. Years later, they got married and I didn't get a finder's fee or an opportunity uh, to give a drunken speech, which I'm sad about both. Uh, one last quick thing. I just thought this was kind of uh, interesting and out there, uh, too. Uh, reading for fun has plunged uh, throughout the United States, and actually uh, certain uh, information says that it's plunged uh, within students at U.S. schools. Uh, we do not read for fun anymore. I, I, don't, I didn't know a lot of people who read for fun when I was younger. It wasn't like it was a, a thing that most kids were doing. We read for Book It. Uh, we read for free uh, pizza, uh, but there were only a small amount of people, uh, even in the past, that uh, used to do that. I think it says like 14 percent, but that number is all the way down to 3 percent now. So the number has plummeted uh, very, very far in the world of people who decide to willingly read because they describe it as fun. Uh, that seems bad. That seems like a thing we need to fix somehow. I don't know if better books need to come out. Uh, less streaming needs to be an option. Something needs to go uh, the way of of encouraging more of this. And I say that not as someone who did it uh, when I was younger. I didn't read for fun. As I said, I read for pizza. That was the only thing that ever got. And I read uh, several books and got several book it uh, personal pan pizzas. And looking back, it was an amazing. Maybe we just bring that back. Maybe that's the solution to the problem. Uh, bring back Pizza Hut's book it. And then all of a sudden, all the kids are reading again. Uh, probably not. But I'm going to hope for yes there. All right, we're going to 1470 100.3. WMBD, this is Craig Collins Show. I want to get back to uh, Tucker Carlson having a bunch of conversations with a bunch of the other candidates uh, for the Republican nomination for the president, not necessarily uh, the former president, because he said no to being a part of this. Uh, I don't think he needs right now to be a part of these things. If you looked at the polls and you were him, uh, you have uh, at times a lead that seems more secure uh, than the current uh, incumbent uh, president does against some of his political rivals on the left, and they're not real rivals because Democrats don't want them to be uh, yet. But I want to play, before I do any of that, uh, something that happened on The View that I just thought was funny. Uh, they were talking about cocaine at the White House, 
And here's how this sounds uh, back and forth with some of the people on The View, including at least uh, one individual uh, who's uh, saying that it does matter, it is important, and then getting drowned out by everybody else. Uh, but Sunny Hostin probably had the best take of the group uh, when she said that people need to just stop dropping cocaine uh, near the Situation Room. And she was being, I think, completely serious uh, about it because this it's amazing that this is downplayed. But anyway, I just find this funny. It's, it's not a small deal. So I don't who think did it? Get to the so who did? That's the thing. It's like cocaine gate. We don't know who did this. I'm thinking maybe it's a tourist, a stupid tourist, a, a guest, somebody like that. And you've got to put your phone there. You've got to put your bags oh, there. <laughs> you've got to you got to put stuff there. And so somebody just, you know, who they brings their cocaine to the way? They left their stash. They left their stash. Let's show the clip of representative. Uh, we're not going to see the clip. Uh, they left their stash. They left their stash. She said that you just got to stop dropping uh, cocaine at the White House. Uh, I love how simplistic this is. Maybe it's not a big deal uh, to celebrities and whatnot. Like cocaine's still an illegal drug. That's still one you're not allowed to have, not allowed to carry with you, uh, past security into any part of the White House. Uh, little powder in a baggie seems like we should be on top of preventing that from being a thing that's easily brought in to any part of the White House. And then you just leave it there on the floor for a long enough amount of time that we can't pinpoint whose it is because we have several days a video, from what I'm to understand, and several people are going in and out over those days who are technically suspects. Uh, that's why the Secret Service at least claims they can't figure out who it is. But I, I love the I love the downplaying of this because uh, to do a real quick whataboutism, you know it wouldn't be happening if it was the other way around. This would be the most important thing ever in the history of time, I'm sure, for weeks, if this were uh, the Trump administration and it was found near the Situation Room. If all that same reporting happened the way it did, the location of the, the cocaine was changing, it would matter more. And I, I just think it matters because it's cocaine in the White House. I don't think it matters because I'm secretly trying to tell you that I know whose it is or that it's, you know, Hunter Biden's or something. I'm just fascinated by this. But anyway, let's get to the other stuff. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, appeared uh, most recently on the blaze, uh, the summit, I think, is what they're calling it, where Tucker Carlson, one by one, uh, discussed the issues of the day uh, with candidates not named Trump for the Republican nomination for president. Uh, this was an interesting sort of first question uh, to Vivek. Uh, how, how are we doing? How's, how's life? How's the world? How's our country? The only person I think who hasn't like, practiced politics for a living. Correct. Yeah, I'm not a practitioner. No, you're not. You're not a practitioner. Um, so it's interesting. So let me just start with a very quick overview. You've been traveling around the country for the past, what, three months, four months? Yeah, four months. How do you think the country's doing? I think the country is doing poorly, is <laughs> the answer. I think that we have a void in our country. I'm the first millennial ever to run for U.S. president as a Republican. And I see people my age in particular across this country who are not doing well uh -huh. because we're starved for purpose and meaning. The people are looking to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And yet we've lost the things that used to ground us. Faith, patriotism, hard work, family. These things are gone. And so we're lost in the wilderness. Uh, that's a pretty great take in the world of uh, younger people, I think, especially uh, millennials, as he name drops millennials, as he is one and I am one. And I've talked about him on the show before. And I know a lot of people who would fall into that exact category uh, where if they're going through a tough time, the reason they tell you they're going through a tough time is they don't even know what they're supposed to be aspiring to or aspiring for. And that seems bad. 
and um, many of these people that I know uh, who fall into some of these buckets are people that felt very differently about the opportunities uh, in front of them uh, 10 years ago, uh, 15 years ago, when you're going to high school, college, when you're getting ready uh, to enter into the, the world that we live now, and some things have changed. And I'm not saying all those opportunities have to be provided by the government. Vivek Ramaswamy is not saying that. Uh, but I do like that he ties it to faith, patriotism, hard work, family, uh, several things that usually are uh, what give more people uh, that you know next purpose in life after you move on from the studying and trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life uh, portion of it. Uh, this was also an interesting moment where Tucker asked Vivek about January 6th and what he thinks it was or wasn't. And Tucker uh, put some of his opinion out there as well, of course. Uh, but I thought Vivek was uh, certainly interesting here. Um, so let's just go through the list. One thing you can't say is that maybe January 6th, while appalling on one level, maybe it was not an insurrection. So let me, let me talk about I've, I, haven't, I haven't talked about this much in the campaign. I'll be very honest with you. You want to know what caused January 6th? There's such a temptation to say that there's one man whose name is unspeakable. We well, can't. No, first of all, it's QAnon. It it's QAnon. It's QAnon. <laughs> you want to know what caused January 6th? Is pervasive censorship in this country in the lead up to January 6th? You tell people in this country they cannot speak. That is when they scream. You tell people they cannot scream. That is when they tear things down. And so the reality is, we were told that you could not question where the virus came from when we all knew it came from a lab in Wuhan, which now they admit. We were told that you could not send a private message to someone on the eve of an election that Hunter Biden's laptop story was actually a true story <laughs> worth considering before uh -huh. an election. You were systematically suppressed. You were. So this is, think about this. You told you had to be locked down, had to take a vaccine that was mandated and forced down your throat, stay locked down in your home while Antifa and BLM roam and burn the streets of this country. So that's the lead up of one full year of telling people you have to shut up, sit down and do as you're told. Oh, man, he, he brought some fire uh, with that uh, response, that conversation. Look, I know that there's hot take in there. And I know that if you're on uh, a certain side of the aisle and you're willing to listen to this radio program, that some of the things he just said there might have made you very, very mad. Uh, but I think the point, or at least the way I understand what Vivek Ramaswamy is saying there, is for those who felt as though uh, many of their rights were taken away because they did not want to do uh, willingly what other people did do. Uh, willingly. The most fascinating part about the, the pandemic, about um, the vaccine getting, about any of that stuff, is that if you were on the side that agreed with what everyone was saying we had to do, it doesn't feel like anything really happened. It doesn't feel like any of your rights were taken away. It feels like everybody saying that is just crazy. Uh, and that's a byproduct, I think, of a lot of things that exist in the world of today and the way we live over the last couple of years. If you agree with something, you don't see the bias in it. You you nod your head and say, great. But if you disagreed with it, um, people lost jobs. People uh, were forced to not uh, go places, at least in New York City, uh, where you literally had to prove that you were vaccinated to get into restaurants and stuff at a certain time. Things changed a lot in those couple of years. And a lot of the data that has come out since has demonstrated that several of those policies were wrong uh, and more importantly, didn't really help or change anything at all. And especially the biggest, most valuable piece of information that would not be argued by anyone, although a lot of people say that that's just rehashing stuff that's, you know, over now and we don't need to talk about that anymore. Let's move on from it, is that even if you got vaccinated, you were still spreading COVID uh, to other people. So there was no reason to say 
that getting a vaccine or not getting a vaccine impacted the amount of protecting your fellow man uh, that the politicians and people said it did for so long. So when I think uh, Ramaswamy is running through all that, he's running through it with the intention or with the focus on why people would get so mad that on a day like January 6th, uh, you'd wind up seeing people. And actually, I want to play the beginning part of this again, because I do think it's important. And I think it was lost when Tucker Carlson uh, talked about January 6th on TV on his Fox show. Uh, I watched his coverage. He admitted that bad things happened, uh, that there were moments uh, that were not things any American would be proud of. And he even played them. He played the audio that was or the video that was viral of the moments where people are shoving down, pushing and overwhelming uh, Capitol Police. So Tucker did not pretend as though uh, January 6th were, was a, a tour uh, that people took that wound up being uh, misconstrued in media. He says it's been exaggerated, and he demonstrated that here within his question. I want to play it again. That maybe January 6th, while appalling on one level, maybe it was not an insurrection. So that's the question. Well, appalling on one level was not exactly an insurrection. Maybe it's overblown by politicians. And I guess that's the last point I wanted to say in some of the more fascinating back and forth. And he didn't really challenge Vivek Ramaswamy at all, uh, comparatively. And I still have more uh, but Pence audio I'm probably going to get to at some point as I wait for the DeSantis stuff to come out. Uh, but I will say, and I do think it's it's uh, worth uh, repeating and valuable in how this is is you know going down and how Tucker Carlson is is responding to some of stuff some of this stuff is even that even the um, description after the fact of January sixth and the way in which it gets talked about by people who who are on one side of the political aisle compared to the other it might continue to foster uh, those feelings of uh, you're being dishonest you're not telling the truth you're exaggerating because that's what politicians do they do it day in and day out they do it for the intention of gaining your support uh, they would exaggerate anything. You know, if you think that falling over in soccer is bad, if you think somebody who feigns an injury there where they lay on the ground for a few seconds, uh, agony all over their face, and then all of a sudden get up and keep playing like they're fine, uh, that's nothing compared to what politicians would do if given a similar option. And so I just think it's, it's sort of funny uh, that because of the polarization of, of the right and left for everyday people, uh, for people listening to the show and people who choose not to listen uh, to the show or maybe hate listen, uh, if that's something you do. I'm not trying to make people uh, angry, uh, but, I, you know, if that's the reaction you have, oh, well, I guess that's the world we live in. So my bad. Um, but what I think is very interesting about that is because of, of that truth in our existence, uh, you are willing to forgive a lot of the the theatrics of the side of the aisle uh, that you support, because uh, there's a whole lot of theatrics, as I think they're both sort of demonstrating there. Uh, but again, I admit that I know if you feel a certain way about a lot of um, January 6th, there are a lot of conservative positions on things. Then everything that Ramaswamy said probably just made people mad, too. A quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. A bit of a palate cleanser. We're going to move on to other stuff uh, going on in the world or just other stuff I find interesting. We have some guests coming up after 430, and then we'll be back to some of the uh, bigger uh, takeaways from a, a pretty uh, significant uh, political event today. Uh, Tucker Carlson interviewing, grilling, whatever word you want to choose, every Republican candidate for president that's not named uh, Trump. Uh, so some other things out there. I thought this was interesting. It went viral. It was a simple question. Uh, you could answer it. Send me a text. 309-340-4464. 
is the phone number for you to text me, 309-340-4464. Would you rather be famous and respected after you die or just kind of successful while you're alive? Uh, because I guess the point of this is the, the cost of fame is somewhat significant if you're famous while you're alive and not just kind of successful. And then also, and it uses examples of several people that weren't really famous until long after they had passed away and wind up becoming a much more appreciated, much more well-known um, quite a bit down the road. Uh, so that's a question. And what would your answer be? Would you rather be uh, famous and respected after you die or just sort of successful uh, while alive? Uh, if you could only have one or the other, uh, which one do you want? Um, I would go with kind of successful. Well, I, I don't know if it matters because the people who love you and care about you will remember you no matter what. All right. And if there's enough of those people, uh, then you're famous to them. And that should be all that really matters. Uh, being famous to other people, probably not as important, especially as the years go by. Although I imagine it would be cool to be someone who is is truly remembered as like a, a thought leader or or someone like that. But that's rather rare. And then also being successful throughout your whole life is not something everybody gets. Uh, even though it says kind of successful, uh, I'll go with successful, and then I feel good about that. Uh, other stuff out there, I thought uh, this was interesting. Uh, this is audio of, I think, Christopher Nolan uh, speaking at an event, a premiere of a movie in London. And as he's speaking, uh, the cast is a no-show. Uh, they were on the red carpet, uh, but we're not there for the actual you know, fancy dinner part because actors are now striking as well in Hollywood. Uh, some people don't care at all about this. And I, I understand that. And actually, I even saw Netflix, I think, as a statement out there that they're good for a while. Uh, they said in response to the actor's strike and the writer's strike that's been going on for several months now that we have stuff planned. We're fine. We have months in advance are ready to go. So that can't feel too good. And I imagine other streaming services are like that. But maybe the big giant um, actual uh, companies that pay for the movies to go in the theaters are the ones that might be pressed more. But here's a little bit of that. I have to acknowledge the work of our incredible cast led by Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Floyd so many more. We have to acknowledge you sitting here earlier on the red carpet, unfortunately. They're off writing their signs to join the picket lines for what we believe to be an impending uh, SAG strike. They'll be going out along with one of my guilds, the Writers Guild, who've been on strike for a couple of months, fighting for fair pay for working actors. But they're here in spirit, and you'll get to see their incredible work and the reason we value these talented people. I think it's interesting that he says they're here in spirit, and then people are sort of kind of applauding for them while they're also not joining the picket lines themselves. Uh, that is interesting. I am, I am going to watch somewhat closely and sort of in a way where I don't know what I want to see happen. Um, what's going to go on in the world of the actor's strike and the writer's strike and Hollywood and everything else, uh, mostly because I'm, I'm interested in how important this is to you, to the American people. Are people going to care? Are people going to even really notice it? Uh, the writer's strike, the answer has been pretty much no. It's barely reported on or talked about at all. Uh, the actor's strike may be more significant because now there's people who are actually famous uh, that are winding up saying, I'm not working until you give me more money. That feels more reminiscent of, say, a player's strike in the world of a sport like baseball uh, than when the writers are on strike. It'd be like the general managers uh, being on strike. It feels like it wouldn't be as relevant or care or matter as much to fans. One last thing. I want to play this, and this is just sort of funny uh, to sort of end this uh, half hour 
as I said, guests coming up, and then we'll get back to serious news after 5 o'clock. Uh, but I do really like this, especially uh, a certain phrase that gets thrown out. But I guess these are two neighbors arguing because one neighbor feels like his neighbor that's actually recording this is um, too friendly with his cat and not letting the cat come back home, even though it's an outdoor, indoor cat. You're upset because we made friends with your cat, sir? No, yard. I'm not. I'm, I'm not even in my yard right now. How? What am I doing? The, the, the gate's open. You're unreasonable people. You're holding our cat. <laughs> how? I'm not even in there. I want you to explain how. Go Leave my cat alone. And say, Mercury, go home. Don't come in our yard anymore. She they will want not listen. To... She's a cat. She doesn't speak English. <laughs> well, really? This doesn't mean go home? No. Huh? Hand huh? signals don't mean anything. It's a cat, dude. Really? Okay. Really? Cat pervert. I have done I've done nothing to bring this. Look, I've never in my neighborhood heard one neighbor yell that phrase at another neighbor, but I'd like to. I'd like to be uh, just sort of around, maybe with a, a bag of popcorn of some kind, hearing that kind of fight and how it goes. I would say it is weird if uh, you are um, letting the cat stay too much in your home and it's not your cat. Uh, but if it's an outdoor indoor cat, I'm also assuming that he's not doing anything other than just being nice to an animal uh, that apparently has now friended him. Uh, but that's an interesting fight that you don't hear about every day and certainly a phrase I don't think I've ever heard before in my life. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Usually uh, you hear a quartermaster of the VFW in Peoria Heights, Eric Thurman, on with me a little after five uh, to chat with maybe some friends that he brings in from the VFW. Uh, but he's traveling this week, and I still wanted to check in with him because you went to something pretty cool, Eric. Uh, what are you in Connecticut for? Uh, we're up here in the uh, submarine capital of the world in Groton, Connecticut, and we uh, witnessed a basic enlisted submarine school, and the class was named after my second submarine, the USS Louisville, so it was called the USS Louisville class. Wow. And watched 50 uh, new sailors graduate and advance their uh, career into the submarine community. Uh, you got to talk to some of these students that were graduating today? Yeah, we, uh, we gave actually a, a piece, a section of the actual hall, of the decommissioned uh, USS Louisville to the uh, class leader uh, as a memento of and motivation and know that, that he's in a brotherhood now that he can go to other people in the submarine community to get help, Man. to uh, fall on them for training and, and other things. That's awesome. You know, it's funny. At times when you're having conversations with people, and this is mostly not like actual veterans and military humans, but the rest of us, you wonder if the generation that's uh, graduating today – uh, are capable of the job that might be put in front of them. Uh, what is your sense of talking to people who graduated from that school today? Uh, how do you feel about uh, their likelihood of succeeding in the world of the Navy and the world of our military? The uh, the generation gap today was uh, was quite interesting since uh, we are of the older group yes. now officially, uh, and the kids looked like they were uh, they were prepped up. I think pretty good. And again, things were different. We got to have a tour of the USS California while we were here. Sure. And there's some things on there I don't know if I could handle, <laughs> um, just due to the fact that it's so sure. new. Yes. Um, a little more confined. So that, that tour was, was really eye-opening. And I know we talked about the, the Titan and the, the joystick controllers yes. that they used. Um, these submarines are very similar, actually. They have a joystick control wow. to go up and down and, you know, left and right. So. Wow. Um, um, and they said they actually use a PlayStation or an Xbox controller for another uh, control of the periscopes and things like that. That's fascinating. So uh, all in all, though, you're hopeful. Uh, you feel good after meeting a lot of the people who are actually graduating today. 
Yes, I'm hopeful. They look like a good, uh, motivated group of individuals that were ready to, to jump out into the uh, world, the military world, and, and expand their horizons, whether it be training or going back to a submarine. So, well, and I, yeah, it's, uh, I'm pretty confident. I know uh, as somebody who served in our Navy as well, uh, you love the fact that the Navy allows you to travel the world. So I'm sure a lot of the young people who graduated today uh, will also love that you move around a lot in that um, branch of our military compared to others. One of my favorite things you told me is you're with a buddy of yours, uh, Terrence Russell, an Iraq veteran uh, who served in our Army. And he got to go on a sub for the first time in his career as somebody who served in a different branch of government well, or a different branch of the military. What was that like? Um, just going onto the sub was actually unbelievable to know that these men and women go and these little tiny confinements in this giant ship. And they are able to work the computers, able to steer the boat, to do communication to find sonar, I mean, just everything that they do, yeah. and to live their lives underwater for months and months at a time. I've always told people I've been in the military, with, especially the Army, we can run away from where we have to go to. People in the Navy are just there. Sure. So there was a lot and of eye-opening. There was, so respect. there was a lot of eye-opening moments for you then, Terrence, as you're going through the whole. A lot uh, of eye-opening okay. moments, yes. I'm sure, a lot of eye-opening moments. I'm sure Eric enjoyed those eye-opening moments. I'm sure he teased you a little bit about how, how valuable. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> he, he, got me, he gave me some good Army-Navy stuff there. So nice. I'm, I'm, I'm eating a lot of crow now, but it's, it's really good crow because I'm, good, I'm, 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 I'm here with my brother from another mother. So, Amen, man. You know, um, that, that's what else are you guys planning on doing? Uh, throughout the rest of this trip, are there any more interactions with uh, other military? Anything else you guys are, are planning to do before? And when do you come back? Uh, I come back. Uh, we're going to drive back on Monday. It's about a 17-and-a-half-hour drive for us. Um, tomorrow, I believe, we're going to drive up to Hartford and see another shipmate who recently had a heart transplant, and he's still in the hospital for that. Wow. Uh, we're going up there to motivate him a little bit and keep him uh, in good graces. And he's just he's already got the heart transplant, waiting for the uh, – make sure it actually takes before he can go home. So uh, he's been in the hospital for quite a while, so we're going to go cheer him up tomorrow. That's that's a pretty cool thing to get to go do. And thank you, all of you, uh, for your service. Just one last question for you, Eric, and thanks for jumping on uh, during your trip. What did it feel like to be back in a sub for for you? Was was there a part of you that wanted to, you know, go out uh, again and and do something there? Uh, Was there a part of that that came out in those moments at all? Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. Uh, As soon as we got to the hatch to go down in below, um, we could smell the smells of the submarine. It has a distinct smell. And there's a group of us that went down there, and all of us served on the, the USS Louisville, obviously. And as we took in, we all took a big, deep breath, and there's like, man, that smell is just so welcoming for us because it's distinct. Um, some people will call it stink. We, that's <laughs> with our life, you know. Right. I, but, I, yeah, yeah. I love what and you I come to appreciate. Let's, let's go ahead and do it. Yeah. I I love what you come to appreciate about that time. And I, I love that you would say that people would call it stink, uh, but not you guys. Um, that's fan- I, I want to smell whatever that smell is now and get to process it however right. I would. Uh, but thanks so much, man, again, yeah. for jumping on yeah. for with no us. Uh, prayers to your friend that everything's okay. I'm uh, glad you guys are going to get to see him and uh, glad you'll be back 
uh, next week. Um, thank you again to Eric Thurman. Yep. Thank you, buddy. Uh, see you later. Uh, the uh, VFW uh, quartermaster in Peoria Heights, a place I go a lot, a place I love a lot uh, for a bunch of reasons. They have a full uh, game room in the back for you to donate to the VFW is what Eric likes to say and joke about. Uh, if you don't wind up lucky, uh, that money will probably still go to a good cause. They do a lot of philanthropic things. Uh, also, they have great food on Tuesday nights, Friday nights, and Saturday night. Uh, they have an event coming up, I think, on the 30th of this month. They're going to do a baby shower for Ray, who's the guy who cooks and, and uh, creates all that great food, and Edith, his wife. Uh, so it'll, it'll be a very fun time and recommending people go. Uh, but it also demonstrates something great about the VFW in Peoria Heights. It's a very, uh, you know, kind of neighborhood-style bar in that sense of caring about the people and, and throwing events like a baby shower and inviting anyone and everyone who wants to swing by to be a part of it. So you'll, you'll feel like part of the family if you go on that night specifically. Again, that's on the 30th, I think, at 3 o'clock uh, for Edith and Ray. Uh, 1505 East Lake Avenue is the address for the uh, VFW in Peoria Heights. 309-682-9875 is the phone number. 309-682-9875. Quick break, a lot more in a bit. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Again, thanks to the quartermaster at the VFW in Peoria Heights, one of Betty and I's favorite places to go in town, uh, for jumping on and talking to us about some of the graduation stuff uh, that was going on uh, in Connecticut for uh, the Navy, for people that are jumping on a submarine and starting to serve the country. And very cool to hear him say how um, positive uh, that experience has been, meeting those young people, uh, because uh, the people who right now choose to join our military um, in a world in which so many of the people of my generation, millennials, and the youngest generation uh, that would be doing that, Gen Z, uh, would not and uh, don't have any interest in that sort of thing. It makes it even more powerful uh, to me in some ways to think about the people who are still um, you know, uh, desiring for that. Um, more powerful is not the right word because uh, as powerful should be the right word. It gives me some amount of hope, uh, probably what I'm trying to say. All right, some other stuff out there just quickly. Uh, this is a, a bit of a news story. Hunter Biden's lawyer sent a letter to former President Donald Trump's legal team uh, causing a cease and desist or requesting a cease and desist for all the things that uh, Trump is saying about Hunter Biden on social media. Uh, Hunter Biden's lawyer said this is not a false alarm and cited the risk or danger to the Biden family with Trump continuing to talk. Um, there's a certain level of arrogance that sometimes hits me in some of these conversations. And for Hunter Biden to be as involved with the president, to be going to state dinners and stuff, and then not expect to wind up being a target in some way, shape, or form by the leading candidate on the other side of the aisle and actually send a cease and desist uh, telling him, you better stop talking about us or else. Like, that's – it's amazing to me. It would be like um, – Anyone else that's that willing to be that involved? I mean, Trump's family took shots constantly. I think that was a byproduct of being willing to be in there. I don't think you can say, uh, stop talking about me if you want to keep showing up at political events. If you disappeared completely into the night, uh, then maybe, although the lawyer move probably still wouldn't work, as I feel like it's got to be fair game in the world of free speech uh, for someone in Trump's position to be saying that. But anyway, I'll move on. Uh, Lionel Messi is now in Miami. I don't know if this makes you care more about soccer. Uh, I have made fun of that sport on this show a little bit, although a lot of people love it. And I think I'm even going to wind up talking to some of the players who play here locally in Peoria. And I, I would actually look forward 
uh, to hearing from them. And I was kind of surprised when we met them, my wife and I, uh, across the, the street at one of our favorite places to grab a cup of coffee, uh, Cultured Grounds, uh, right here in the downtown area. And there were like seven or eight dudes in there, and they were from all over the place. Uh, there were not many local players uh, on our team, uh, which is something I probably should have known about the quality of, of play. Not saying that uh, locally we couldn't uh, put together a good team. Uh, I thought it would be more you know, Bradley graduates and stuff, and it, it's not. It's a lot of uh, people from all over the world uh, that are trying to pursue professional soccer careers, and so I, I probably should go out and see it. Uh, but anyway, Messi is apparently creating the Messi effect throughout Miami. He shows up at grocery stores and other things, and they wind up getting packed very quickly, uh, demonstrating that soccer does have a popularity uh, here in the United States. I think it takes a Lionel Messi because uh, there are a lot of people I would not recognize at all if they wandered into a store and I wouldn't wind up like calling my buddies and say, you got to get down here, man. Uh, this guy's here right now. Uh, but maybe messy. I don't know. I, maybe I wouldn't. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I feel like I would, but who knows? Um, all right. Uh, some other stuff out there just quickly. Top five at five coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, we will dive into some of the bigger stories of the day and I will probably overly talk about what's going on with the candidates uh, not named Trump in the way that Tucker Carlson is challenging some of them. Uh, but I thought this was interesting. This is in um, a, a couple places online. The richest beggar in the world is the name of the or is the headline of the story. Uh, there is a man who has been on the street, um, you know, the way that anyone else collects change in a big city uh, with um, uh, a hat or something out uh, panhandling uh, throughout the tech and financial sectors of Mumbai, India. Uh, this man, apparently, according to local media, is worth almost a million dollars. This is this is a real story. Uh, the person is believed to take home about 2,500 rupees every day, uh, which works out to about 30 bucks a day or $904 a month. And he literally takes it home because he owns a luxurious two-bedroom flat uh, but goes in the street and still collects money. You know what I thought was so fascinating uh, about this uh, specifically is I remember, I think it was a story in the L.A. Times. Uh, I can't remember which publication actually. Years ago. It's a long time ago uh, where someone wrote about just pretending to be homeless and sitting on the streets of a um, a popular part of Los Angeles and winding up collecting a lot of money uh, and saying that without taxes, this amount of money should be able to provide him with actual stuff. And so I know that it's not true of people everywhere. I'm not going to even remotely pretend to assume that the people who are living on the street in Peoria are making the amount of money that this person is making in, in Mumbai, India, or that other people make in other parts of the country. I just thought it was it was sort of, um, you know, eye opening, uh, if that's the right word for it, to be a second version of something I remember seeing years and years ago. And I'll, I'll pull up the actual article I'll find it. I'll put it on my social media page so no one accuses me of, of saying it's false um, because I wonder what it is about this individual that makes them collect as much money as they're collecting and to be worth a million dollars and to have a, a luxurious two-bedroom flat, according to the news, uh, while also still uh, going on the street and asking for money. And I wonder if other people on the street who read this story wind up getting mad and trying to like attack this guy uh, when they learn more about him. Uh, but it's a story that I guess went viral mostly because of of how rare uh, something like that probably I genuinely is. I doubt it's something, again, I don't want to sound like I'm saying it, that a lot of people uh, who are doing what this guy is doing are actually 
um, you know, ending up with. I imagine it's not at all. It'd be a weird version of a story if they said, like, this is what's possible. Uh, more people should do this. Although I remember, again, I think it was the L.A. Times article that I'd read uh, that the lack of taxes or anything else um, was one of the reasons the writer said that they thought, uh, given a, a perfect circumstance, that it, it might actually wind up creating a lot of um, uh, money uh, for that person. But again, uh, I'm going to move on from that because it, it's such a unique and odd story and take that I don't even really know how to process it uh, beyond what I've said. I thought this was interesting. Baby name trends for 2023 include a nature focus and the use of way more vintage names, uh, naming your kid like Willow or Oak uh, or Oakland, which is a name I haven't heard before. Juniper, Aspen, all of those things are popular uh, because there's something about nature-based names, I guess, that young people really like. And then also the like throwback names. Uh, and actually, I was just having a conversation uh, with Julia Bradley in our newsroom uh, about family members who picked or friends who picked throwback names. I have a friend whose kid is named Fitzwilliam. Uh, and they call him Fitz, of course. Uh, but I guess they, they wanted to name him that because they thought that name was rarely in use now. And I don't know any other Fitzwilliamses, uh, but it was once a very popular name. But there's a lot of that. Clara, Evelyn on this list. Uh, uh, um, Cialis is on this list. Uh, several different names. So I don't know. If my grandmother's name was Mildred, and so I wonder if that would be kind of a cool name. And uh, Millie, I know, is what my grandmother went by a lot uh, to, you know, uh, name a kid at some point. Uh, it, it seems like a cool name to me. And so I think that's probably part of what this is is um, uh, focused on, is the idea of maybe remembering loved ones or just picking a rare names that are no longer in use like my friends did. All right. Uh, one other thing. I have one more piece of audio I'll play, just a stupid piece of audio because I know a lot of the topics today are very serious. Uh, this is a college kid that glued her wallpaper uh, to her a wall in her college dorm that didn't know how to get it off and wound up having to pay, I think, about 900 bucks to remove it. But she went on the Internet and started to get very sad as she had no idea how to prevent the mistake that was definitely well already made at that point and uh, not easy to fix. Here's a little bit of the audio of her going viral. I'm actually going to have a panic attack. I'm moving out of my dorm right now, and this is my wallpaper. I legitimately can't get it off the wall. Oh, it's so bad. I have absolutely no idea how to get the adhesive off. It will not come off. <laughs> and I have no idea how much they're going to charge me. Uh, 900 bucks is the answer to that. And the adhesive you should have used is not the adhesive you did use. So mistakes were made. It's time for the top five at five on the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show, top five at five. And as I do this uh, every once in a while now, I bring in Dan DiOrio for part of it. Dan, how are you doing, man? Good, good. Hot. It's hot. I'm out in the garage. It's hot. Uh, before I even get to the top five at five, I do want to say this week you said uh, some uh, good news in the world of your health on the Greg and Dan Show. What exactly uh, were you guys talking about uh, in the world of how you're doing? Well, I got cleared of cancer, but, you know, you got to be careful. Dickie V, Vital, just had his comeback for the third time. Sure. I've talked to other people. They go, that's good news, but you just got to stay vigilant. Wow. Well, know? that is awesome news. So uh, congratulations on that, and thank you for sharing it uh, here, too. However, yeah, the effects of neuropathy and brain fog is going to be around, my doctor said, six to eight weeks. Quick example. My son was helping somebody out. He got a pretty much a brand new refrigerator. The freezer side isn't working, but hey, you get a $1,400 LG refrigerator for nothing. Yeah. Uh, you spend 300 to get a fixture ahead. So 
So he put it in my garage last night. I came out this morning to let the dog out. And I'm like, who the hell put a refrigerator <laughs> in my garage? All right. And I'm like ready to call the police. And I'm like, what am I going to tell him? Hey, someone put a refrigerator in my garage. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, my son dropped it off last night. So I'm still <laughs> in that brain fog. Fair enough. Uh, that makes sense. And you're still working from home for right now because of some of that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Let's let's play some audio first of some of the things going on. Uh, I know that you've said on the Greg and Dan show every morning from 530 to 9 uh, that Vivek Ramaswamy is someone that you sort of like on the Republican side of the aisle. I know you have a unique complaint about uh, his name or his branding, but I want to play some audio and we'll see uh, what you think about this audio uh, about, um, you know, some of the things Vivek has been saying out there in the world. Um, and some, you know what, I just realized, actually, I probably shouldn't play this audio uh, where I'm going to play it. I probably have to move it over here. Uh, so first, give me your objection to Vivek uh, as a as a um, politician that you think might not be able to succeed as I uh, change some things around. With well, I mean, the simple messaging, a lot of people can't pronounce Swami or whatever his name is. <laughs> but it is, as Greg pointed out, Vivek 2024, which is very simple. I'm in the very the most basic, simple messaging to get across to a broad base of people. I think he's interesting. I like him. He has got more substance and broad base of people. Because I always kind of like what Andrew Yang used to say, but he kind of faded. This guy's kind of creeping up in the polls, and I think he has – he's talking policy, which uh, DeSantis isn't. Yeah, well – He's talking – no, go ahead. Policy, yeah, uh, DeSantis yeah, has yet to, like. yet to appear in front of um, uh, this whole big thing, so I'm not sure if it'll be um, policy-focused or not. But actually, this clip that I want to play for you is uh, not, oddly enough, uh, focused on policy. Uh, it's focused on just sort of maybe a more macro issue that Vivek sees. But here we go. Uh, hold on. Now it's, now it's taking a second. All right. Uh, if we're willing to take the shackles off a little bit, relax a little bit on think, I mean, identity can be confining. Right? The left does this masterfully. You're black, therefore you can't achieve something. You're a woman, therefore you can't achieve something. Identity is confising. You can be imprisoned in the identities that you inherit. And I just want to be careful that we learn from the left, or the learn, learn, including what not to do, to be confined and imprisoned by our own identity of what it means to be Republican. Let's just let that word go and instead ask the question of what it actually means to be an American today. That's the question of our time. What do you think of that as far as a message goes? I know I didn't let him answer his own question, but uh, is that something you like, something you think is uh, not uh, a message that will work over well, uh, maybe beyond the Republican Party? Well, I like it. Uh, We played, oh, my gosh, we will hand you a piece that John Cleese did 20 years ago on extremism. It is so spot on today. But extremism, which our politics is, you got to have an enemy so you can line up your identity politics, who's wrong and why you're right. He is being very inclusive, and so is Tim Scott. And I do like the message, hey, you're black. It doesn't mean you're a victim. Or you're a minority. It doesn't mean you're a victim. And you have no hope the system's against you. It's a unity message like anyone can achieve anyone can go forth i like that sure but in this identity politics of hating the other side i don't think you get enough 
attraction, although I love the message. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. Um, let me ask you about something else out there in the world as a top five at five as I'm supposed to move through uh, some of these quicker. What about the SAG-AFTRA, the worker, the um, actor's strike? Is that something that you think a lot of people will care about, or is that something you don't think will matter uh, to a lot of people? I know, well, that, I know that years ago, wildly important, I imagine, but in today's world, I think uh, just one other thing I wanted to tell you, Dan, Netflix has some statement out that says, we're good. We got content for like months or, or longer than that, uh, almost trying to leverage their position as saying, you guys can be on strike for a bit. Uh, we're not that worried. Go ahead. Well, you know, the funny thing is, Greg's like, and we both said the same thing, although he's watched it, I haven't. I'm like, now's the time to go back and go, you know, I'm going to go back and watch Breaking Bad because I never really did. <laughs> sure. Or... If I can find Ted Lasso somewhere, I'll watch Ted because there's uh, Orange and Black. And there's all these shows that I haven't watched. It would take me the next two years to watch anyway. Sure. It's very complicated because they were talking. Now, Fran Dresser was talking about all these CEOs making all this money. What about our actors? And then they showed a picture of Matt Damon. I don't think many people can really <laughs> feel bad for Matt Damon. Sure. You know? yeah. No, Matt Damon probably uh, not hard up for cash. Yes, correct. Go ahead. No, but it has to do with bit players taking their image from a one-time appearance and AI generating them as a background actor for eternity. And we're like, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, one check. No, so it's really complicated, and it goes to AI. It really goes to AI and workers for the future. So sure. it's not just about the big money. It is about some of the lower-level people. No, I'll actually be honest. As like a technology nerd, as somebody who likes it a lot, when you talk about the argument and you're not focused on – I mean the writers are their own thing, but the actors' amount of money the big celebrities are taking home. But actually the, the risk, as you're saying, of what technology means for that industry, for a bunch of industries, it is a much more fascinating conversation i just don't know how much people will care because you you made a really good point a second ago when you said people might go back and watch breaking bad or watch whatever shows they've missed and it might replace uh, those tv and movie things that you won't have for a bit there uh, because we probably all have stuff on our list that we might want oh and brett brooks actually from 25 news who's coming up next is my next guest tv per, uh, personality yes. i might be able to speak to this a bit what do you want to well, say well you know i, I am sag i'm a sag screen actor oh, gotcha. the news. You're, you're part of sag after Yes. Yeah. So I'm not striking. Okay. But I do think that that's an interesting point, people going back to watch the old content. Yeah. But I did see on Twitter some people were saying, like, this one guy who was in this really big show called Insecure, he got 50 residual checks, and they all total up total to $86. Wow. So 50 residual checks, it's not, totally yeah, $86. Right. So it's that's, a bigger issue. It's wrong. Yeah. Some of the money, I'm sure, is broken for some of the people that are not, you know, the Matt Damons, as Dan just said a second ago, of the world. Um, and protecting, um, I think, a lot of people in a lot of industries beyond acting will at some point be in a similar technology versus us uh, situation. Yeah. It's just happening for them uh, sooner. Uh, Dan, before I let you go, anything else we need to know about the morning show, about stuff you're talking about, stuff no, going No, you know, I was disappointed that the Secret Service gave up on the whole cocaine thing because I thought what the White House should do is bag the Easter egg hunt and have the bag <laughs> of cocaine hunt. <laughs> sure. Yeah, do that this year. Just try to That's look around and see what's going on. Uh, fair enough, Dan. Yeah. Hey, what do you got, Sally? A nickel bag, good. Billy, nickel yeah. bag, 
Oh, Tony. Oh, yeah. a dime bag. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think I think I'll be honest. I think a lot of people <laughs> were surprised it only took a week of the investigation. I think people were expecting a little longer than that. And maybe Easter egg hunt was the right rate route to go. Uh, thanks as always. Yeah. The Greg and Dan show every single morning from five thirty to nine, heard right here on WMBD Radio. I look forward to talking again soon, and glad to hear about your good health, Dan. Well, uh, better. I'm still, I don't know where I'm at. Okay. I could be in somebody else's garage. <laughs> Glad to hear about your better health and your uh, yeah. bettering mental state. I'm assuming it's going to just keep improving. A uh, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. Brett Brooks has brought some friends. I will chat with her and who the uh, friends are uh, coming up in just a bit. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I like this. Some of my guests wind up bringing other guests. Uh, the VFW in Peoria Heights has been doing that. Brett Brooks has done that a few times from 25 News. Yes. Brett, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Happy Friday. Good. Happy Friday. Um, it is hot outside. Before we get to your guests in the studio, including someone that's wearing a very, very fancy crown, a very, very large <laughs> crown, I feel like it would make your neck tired over time, but I'll get to that in a bit. We'll talk to that in a second. Uh, what's been going on in 25 News? So one story that has gotten a lot of buzz here lately was the manual high school bathrooms. Pretty much all the bathrooms at the Peoria Public School District are going to be decorated with words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. So the Yanni Collective, the Peoria Art Guild, who was on the show early this morning, the Peoria Guild of Black Artists, and a few other groups that I'm drawing a blank are also a part of this or this whole movement where they're going to D-I-G-I-M, put... D-I-G-I-M, uh, yes. the product of the project. Is that another uh, group as the, well? Yes. So okay. that's a mentoring group for young boys. Nice. Product, yeah, product of the project, yes. Cool. Um, and the author for D-I-G-I-M, that means, dang, I graduated in May. It's nice. a book for high schoolers. But they're decorating all the bathrooms in all the high schools at the Peoria Public High at the P, in Peoria Public High Schools. Sure. So it's gonna be a really nice initiative. They're gonna start in August, and Manual is gonna be the first one. So it's gonna say little things like they want to do quotes from people in the community. So they are reaching out to local community leaders. Craig, I'm sure you could probably provide. Oh, no, nice sure. Yeah, no, mine aren't, mine aren't valuable. But no, that's fine. <laughs> I could provide some. Uh, probably uh, influential people. I see that one from your um, uh, your story was you are just enough, or you are enough is what it says. Yeah. Uh, so something like that. Something, something like that, yeah. yeah. And, cool. the, and the, the whole thing is that you're kind of helping the people because they said the interview, I interviewed Greg Wilson with the Peoria School Board and Mark Supreme, who mm-hmm. is the author for Diggum. And they were talking about how the bathroom's like a safe space for a lot of kids in high school and that there sometimes are fights in the bathrooms and yeah. sometimes people take phone calls in the bathroom. So to have this positive message in that one space that they is, that they go and frequent, sure. frequently, maybe it might change their perception of how they act towards well, and honestly, I know um, a lot of people in my life. Um, I have nieces. Even my wife is probably okay with me saying it, that sometimes, like, the mirror is not always your friend. And so in the <laughs> bathroom, if you go in and you're looking in the mirror and then you look up on the wall and you see a nicer quote, maybe that helps people, especially yeah. in a day and age uh, where so many people are are very much focused on how you look online or how you look, right. here, you know, uh, there. Right. Uh, so cool. Uh, very cool. Is that the only uh, big story you covered this week or you got coming up? That I can remember. You know, I do stories. <laughs> yeah. uh, Robert White, the person who was mm-hmm. in charge of the first two murders of 2022, he was sentenced today. Gotcha. I haven't followed to see what that sentence was. I know you did a story about the Northwoods Mall and how yes. entrepreneurs are just going to be able to name their price yes. to get into the mall. Thank you for... Sure, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Yeah, so... Northwoods is doing this thing called Rediscover Northwoods, where they're allowing small business owners to have a storefront at the mall. And Julie, the general manager, mm-hmm. Julie, sure. she Jules. said, yes, name your price. So some, if you can pay $500 in rent a month, 
she said that works if you want a storefront, if you want to leave your garage and have an actual storefront, wow. and you can afford $500, $300 for wow. the first year, you can easily have a store at the mall. Julie Ravello. Yes. Okay, there we go. Got yes. it. Very cool. Um, so, and so I, and there's actually a lot of, the mall is 98% full, and the three people who I interviewed all happen to be minority business owners. Mm-hmm. So it's a really big deal about how they're trying to bounce back from the pandemic, because we know the pandemic killed a lot of the malls. Yeah, no, it definitely did. And I, I've heard that they've talked about, like, making them into retirement homes, malls. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Yeah, like, I have people heard living Some above of the it. Ones. And maybe entrepreneurs giving it a shot first is better than turning it into a retirement home right <laughs> yeah, away. I'm I, not trying I, to say. I just I agree. wonder. Yeah, I also okay. heard about that and, like, homeless shelters sure. for things. Yeah. But luckily, yeah. Northwest seems to be doing pretty well for yeah. themselves. Yeah, it's still pretty popular. All right, let's bring in your other guests. You brought two guests in studio with us, uh, one of which, as I said, is wearing a very fancy crown. I will just let you introduce both of them. Uh, who did you bring? So I have Kaylee Albeck and her mom. So Kaylee is my, she's my outgoing title holder. As you know, I've been <laughs> talking about the Miss Illinois Earth yes. Beauty Pageant competition happening mm-hmm. on Sunday. So Kaylee came back to the pageant twice. She competed for nationals three times, and on her third try, she won wow. Junior Miss Earth. And so she's here in studio. You want to say hi? Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you for the <laughs> nice first to meet time. You. And then, Mom, what's Mom's name? I'm Katie. Katie is here in studio too. I like the fact that we had to uh, ask you to be on a mic. Uh, it feels <laughs> like some. I feel like maybe some pageant moms would have been on the mic just sitting there ready to go. We had to beg. A She's the bit. star. I'm behind the scenes. <laughs> Fantastic. There you go. But I still want to talk to both. Uh, so, uh, Kaylee, tell me a little about about the experience first of competing in the event that will happen on here happen here on Sunday. It has been amazing meeting all the contestants and the girls and the bonds that you make with each other. Oh, cool. So it's been kind of something, how many people have already gotten to meet her? Is that something that everybody... So she's competed three three times. So she went to nationals, met those girls there three times. Okay. Okay. So uh, a lot of the people that are competing on Sunday are people you already know. Um, Is there going to be any sadness with losing the crown? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tears will be shed. What are you going to do about that? What's mom going to do about that? That's only the Illinois title. Okay. Um, We went to Orlando in January, and then that's where she won. She competed against the other states. Gotcha. And she won the national. So she's only crowning the Illinois successor. Okay, gotcha. This national is only in when does the When does the national one end? That's on New Year's Eve okay. of this year. What do you do? Can I ask you, like, what's the stuff that they wind up having? Because I don't know what pageant uh, winners do. What are, what are the things, other than doing this stupid radio interview and talking to the idiot that's me, uh, what else do you do? So there are service events you can do, but, uh, yeah. Talk about your crayon initiative. And my platform, Crayons for Kids, is where you uh, collect crayons and you remelt them into new crayons. And then I donate them to local children's hospitals. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. That sounds very, very nice. Is that something you helped her come up with? Yes. Or is that, okay. Um, so, yeah, she collects broken and unwanted crayons to save them from the landfills. And mm-hmm. she she forgot that she's um, collected and donated over 100 pounds of crayons. Wow. Yes. Okay. Was there a lot of, like, back and forth driving to do all this? Is there, how do people give crayons? <laughs> yeah. Can they still show up with crayons somehow? Yeah, mostly, yeah. like, our neighborhood. You know, okay. People will come, you know, to, like, our doorstep, or we'll cool. go meet them out. And then she's also set up pop-up booths in our neighborhood, mm-hmm. too. Like, we do, like, food truck events, so she'll put up a table and awesome. collect stuff there, too. You know, I'm glad that I have the mom's perspective on this, because I've asked Brett <laughs> a, a question sort of similar to this before. Um, what is it about competing in pageants that you think is good for young people, your daughter, uh, others to, to do? Because maybe there's more debate or more questions about that now than in the past. Um, what do you think are some of the reasons why you'd encourage parents to, to let their kids do this? 
Well, I think a lot of people think of the TV show that was 10, 15, 20 years ago, The Tallers and Tiaras, and it's totally different than that. Sure. Um, she's got the interview skills. Um, she's got the confidence, the poise, the public speaking, which she didn't have any of that before. Gotcha. Um, she's gained it through that. I mean, obviously with coaching, but um, it's helped her gained all of that. I mean, she wouldn't be here speaking, you know, Just if, right now, without yeah. any of sure. that, too. She was really shy. Um, so it's really helped her, I guess, bloom and blossom into the person that she is today. Not to mention the community service, too. Gotcha. That is really important to, I guess, be involved in your community. And with the environmental, too, you know, picking up the garbage mm-hmm. or, you know, just recycling. Any of that. Yes. Kind of feeling like you're making a difference. I'll ask oh, the yes. same question to you, Kaylee, since I have the opportunity to ask uh, directly to you. Uh, what do you think have been the biggest benefits for you, not just winning some of the stuff you've won, but just being a part of it? I know you were a runner-up, I think, uh, Brett told me at one point. Yes. Obviously competing several times. There were times where you didn't place in the top two. So for you, what have been the benefits of all this? That's your, that's your question. Right. Um, <laughs> Go anywhere you benefits? want. Break that. Come on. Tell us whatever you want to say. Yeah, the benefits of an environmental pageant, it's because uh, – like the people in your community can go out and help pick up trash. Mm-hmm. So it's learning more about the environment. But yeah. And also <laughs> just also just being a, a beauty pageant contestant in general uh, for you. Why was that something you wanted to do? I wanted to be a role model to the younger kids. Gotcha. Yes. So that, that was a big influence then. Cool. All right. Well, let's take a little break. 1470, uh, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. My guests are all still in studio uh, because uh, Brett Brooks and I chatting off the air, and she brought in a bunch of um, uh, friends, as she always does, a bunch of guests with her. And I just learned some stuff about the guests that I I find fascinating, and I want to talk about it. Uh, But, Brett, I don't think I did a really good job of of selling the event itself or mentioning a lot of the information about it. (laughs) It's uh, July 16th, so it's this Sunday, 11 o'clock, Miss Illinois Earth Pageant. The first year it's going to happen here in Peoria. What else do we need to know? The very first year. And I want this to be a big thing in Peoria. I'm competing against, so Miss Earth pageant is one of the top four pageants in the world. Wow. So to, to have the license for the state level who goes to nationals and national winner goes to the world champions, chips, it's a big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. And I want this to be a huge event for Peoria moving forward. And this is going to be big for tourism. So I'm competing up, I'm competing Against all kinds of stuff, yeah. Against the Miss America pageant and the Miss USA pageant, the one that Donald Trump notoriously owned, too. So I want this to be a really big deal. We have about 20 girls who are competing against all five age divisions from 5 to 26 years old. All these women have worked really hard to get to this stage. And it's at 11 o'clock a.m. Doors open at 10.30 a.m. I'm still looking for that one sponsor who wants to come through and support these girls. It's a scholarship pageant, too. Kaylee won a scholarship. All my girls... I think all the girls last year who went to Nationals won a scholarship, too. Wow. And so it's a really big event when it comes to helping young women in this community grow, build self-esteem, mm-hmm. build their confidence, have a platform to change, and to really give back to the community in such a phenomenal way. What are the things that happen? I know that sounds like a dumb question, but what are what are people... There's no such thing as a dumb question. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what, are, what are people expecting? Is there, like, multiple rounds? Yes. Um, so it's going to be a whole showcase. We have performers. We have a singer. We have a DJ. We have dancers coming. But nice. the girls are competing in evening gown. They have an on-stage question. They have swimsuit and fitness. Um, there's opening number. There's optionals for the girls. Uh, so like runway, Miss Fashionista, Miss Photogenic. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. It's hard to go off the top of my head. Gotcha. But they are. You said there's a, a fitness rounds. round, but there's not like a, a talent round. 
There is a talent is optional. Okay. For the younger girls. Gotcha. So they submit a video of them playing their talent, but no, it's not an official talent. This pageant isn't a talent-based pageant. Gotcha. And then uh, Kaylee Albeck, who's in studio, who is currently the title holder for Junior Miss Earth USA uh, 2023, and that ends at the end of the year. But you're also the title holder for the event that we're doing uh, on Sunday yes. in Peoria, and you're going to have to give up your crown. Uh, did you do talents? What What is your talent, if you have one? In the I pageant? did not, but okay. I'm currently learning how to juggle. Okay, that's yes. awesome. That's, <laughs> been, that's what I would learn as a talent. That yeah. sounds weird to say. My as... talent when I competed was playing the piano. Nice. Okay, that sounds more value. I feel like we won't juggle many places. You actually <laughs> learning it, me ever learning it. Um, tell me a little bit about competing when uh, we were going through COVID. You guys just told me, you and your mom, off the air, that you won one of these ta- these beauty pageants uh, when you were doing it all, like, via Zoom and stuff. Yes. I was fascinated by that, so I just wanted a quick answer as to, like, what that was like compared to actually winning in person and getting, you know, to go now and give up your crown on Sunday. I keep saying that. I probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, but tell me what that was like. So you were able – so you had to record it and submit it. So you had so you had the opportunity to, like, delete it and redo it as gotcha. many times as you want. Retakes. Yes. Yeah. So that made it way, way better. You got oh, to yeah. really – okay. And then you go and you compete in actual events. Mm-hmm. Was there any level of stress once the recording thing went away? Kind of, yes, gotcha. because you had to, like, nail it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, but so that makes it at least something that's a little bit different. Was there any um, lack of, of it being maybe as fun – when you win one of these things, but you win it with, and I think your mom just said this a second ago, and mom, you could say it again, like the the sash, the crown, that all stuff just came in the mail after the win, right? Yeah, so like the, the COVID winners, um, the ones that compete virtually, mm. they just get it all in the mail, yeah. you know, that versus feels, yeah. the live, mm-hmm. actually being crowned, getting it all placed on you. Mm. I think that's just extra a special. Big, bit different. Very special. For Junior Miss Earth USA, that was a national competition. What was that win like? Was there a big oh giant crowd? Goodness. Oh, yeah. That was – all of us in this room were a hot mess. Were you there? Friend? Oh, yeah. I was there. Okay. Yeah, I was there. there. Okay. I was crying. I will show you a video, Craig. She was – Katie was crying. I was crying. I think <laughs> it was – I was bawling my eyes out. The way I describe it is yeah. like somebody hitting like uh, a grand slam in the World Series. I mean gotcha. literally the whole place screamed. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Okay. Was it, were yes. there a lot of family and friends no, there? No, it was just okay. me. It was just, <laughs> well, we had wow. a whole team of us there because the whole Illinois – we had Illinois and Wisconsin last year, so they all were down there at the moment to watch. Gotcha. And then just to know that someone has tried three times to go after this title and they finally win – it's the culmination of what the hard work is yeah. to get to nationals. Yeah. Is there something that you would give as a piece of advice to anyone who's going to compete on Sunday? Be yourself and just shine. Just shine. Okay, yep. cool. That's just shine. Kind of, we could put that in one of the bathrooms, I feel like, somewhere in, in <laughs> Illinois. Just shine. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Uh, before I let you go, Brett, anything else we should know about stuff you have coming up on the TV? Well, Craig, I can't get past Sunday. I'm not going to okay. lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I love it. That's good. But for anybody who's listening to this, I mm-hmm. can give you a discount, too. Um, use the code DELEGATE. You have to buy tickets online because at the door is at the Toyota box office. It's $40 mm-hmm. at the door. But for all the listeners here, if you go on our Eventbrite and you just search Miss Illinois Earth on Eventbrite, mm-hmm. B-R-I-T-E, Put in the code DELEGATE, then you can get a nice little discount and come to the show and enjoy it. Watch Kaylee give away her crown, her state crown, and just really support these girls. Fantastic. Thank you guys all for joining us. It's 11 a.m. at the Civic Center. 11 a.m. at the Civic Center. On Sunday. As you said, uh, $40 tickets at the door, but you can get tickets uh, cheaper other ways. Going online, putting in the code. Uh, Quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3, WMBD. 1470. 
100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thank you to all my guests for popping in here. Uh, by the way, our weather warning or weather watch, I think, warning, can't remember which one, it was canceled. Uh, so it's it's no longer a thing. So we're good. Uh, the weather outside of the uh, studio never really seemed to get that bad. Severe thunderstorm warning uh, was what it was. But that has been canceled. Uh, so if you're in uh, some of the areas that were in that um, um, path, uh, nothing to fear, uh, nothing to worry about, now, at least for now. I will update you if anything changes there. I do want to play a couple pieces of audio uh, that I'm still sitting on uh, from earlier today uh, in the world of this um, Blaze TV thing uh, where Tucker Carlson sat down with everybody but uh, Trump to talk about the different issues of the day. Um, I don't I, I, I wonder this first here what I'm going to say first about it. I wonder who it benefited. Um, if any of the candidates will walk away from this feeling as though uh, their profile has risen, uh, if a lot of conservatives will watch uh, the Blaze TV uh, coverage of this, I'm I'm a little curious about that. Um, and so these are some of the moments uh, that are considered the most viral. Uh, first, there is um, former Vice President Pence uh, talking to Tucker about Ukraine, about his support of Ukraine. And Tucker kind of jumps in and talks about what's going on in the United States and how he feels like that is being um, – undervalued uh, in the world of what's going on with the support uh, to Ukraine. And a lot of the audience seems to very much agree uh, with Tucker Carlson on this point. January, we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, have you, uh, I know you're running for president. You are, distra- you. You are distressed notice. that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. I think Joe Biden has weakened America at home and abroad. Yeah, he goes on to talk about stockpiles of weapons and how uh, that's something that's low. Actually, I think Tucker even brings up the stockpile. And um, uh, Pence continues to say the answer is not to shrink from America's role as a leader of the free world. I want to move on because DeSantis audio is popping up and is out there now. Uh, There are several different questions that Tucker asks uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, the governor of Florida, one of those about pro-life and whether or not you can win over people uh, who are probably described as independent, not conservative, not uh, Democratic voters uh, who may be open minded, may not be open minded to uh, some of that world of changes to uh, abortion and abortion laws. Uh, I do think that even uh, the former president, President Trump, has said that's not an issue he necessarily wants to be a focal point of his uh, run for office. And DeSantis and others, uh, Pence actually among them, have said different things. So here's Tucker and DeSantis talking about uh, pro-life, pro-choice types of topics. So can you... It, it's it, so, what you're saying is people need to be brought over to that. I mean, you have to govern by consensus. In, you know, in a democracy, you have to convince people. So how, what is, can you just give us your quick pitch? You're speaking to someone of goodwill and good faith, a decent person who has a different position from you on abortion. How do you bring them to your position? What do you say? 
Well, look, I think that one of the most impactful moments of my life was with, with my better half right over there. The first child we had very early in the pregnancy, we're going in, getting an ultrasound, and I hear this whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I'm like, what is that? That's your daughter's heartbeat. Wow. That changed me. I mean, I was pro-life uh, at the time, but, but that really had an impact on me. Um, and with science and technology, I think we have brought more people over. Uh, but at the end of the day, to do what Governor Reynolds just signed or what we did in Florida, a baby that has a detectable heartbeat, you know, that is a life. And we're better off when everybody counts. Here's something I'll say about it, though. And I, I am Catholic. I've talked about my Catholic faith on the show before. Um, I do wonder about whether or not any of those things from a a national board on, uh, ban on abortion or whatever the platform might be, depending on who the politician is, would work. And the reason I say that is if the Supreme Court did, in fact, decide that this is a state issue and not a federal issue, uh, then thinking about it the other way is unlikely to have any other impact. It's unlikely to be a change. And whether that makes you upset or not, it's just my opinion. I'm sure it could be wrong. I'm sure people will feel about it differently. Uh, but I wonder if it is actually an effective platform to run on for conservatives to make promises in the world of um, going the other way from the federal government as far as abortion is concerned. Because, again, I, I'm assuming that would get challenged and challenged all the way up to the Supreme Court. And then uh, you wonder if they would believe, uh, they being the current members of the Supreme Court, that they created a precedent with their first ruling or not. And I'm sure it would be a different look uh, because people would be challenging whether or not a person is a person and when a person is a person, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I do wonder if the end result would be somewhat similar. And so I think maybe that might be the reason that even uh, former President Trump is unlikely to have this be a hallmark of his conversation uh, with the voters. And as I said, he didn't actually participate in this, so we don't have questions for him. But uh, Tucker Carlson did seem to challenge almost everyone. I have one other piece of audio uh, back and forth, and I think people are upset about this with Ron DeSantis, uh, saying that he dodged a question in the world of his opinion and Ukraine. Uh, here's part of that audio. Territorial dispute that was not central to America's national interest. There was an outcry over this, and then pretty soon after you described, you seem to change your view and describe Putin as a war criminal and say that it was central to America's foreign policy. Why did you change, and where are you now? So the last part I did not say. Um, uh, I served in Iraq during the Iraq campaign in Fallujah. I was attached to U.S. Navy SEAL Team 1. And remember, it started on what WMD. Then we had al-Qaeda in Iraq. Then it was created democracy. Then it was that. And so the lesson that I learned from there is if you're going to commit to do military, whether it's... Now, hold on. That audio actually cut off because I want the rest of that answer from DeSantis. But as I'm doing this live on the radio, uh, we lose a portion of it. So I'm going to try to get the rest of that out here for you in a second. But actually, what I think is interesting, uh, that's a, a viral uh, piece of that audio, uh, is that the person who put it up said that that's a dodge of the question entirely. And I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think that it is uh, a dodge of the question because uh, Ron DeSantis is first talking about his own uh, military experience before diving any deeper into it. Uh, let's see. Let's see if we can get more of that audio. Let's try again with this right here. As president, you'd be in charge pretty much single-handedly of America's foreign policy. Um, so with that in mind, I have to ask you about Ukraine. So in uh, the spring, you described the war in Ukraine as a, quote, territorial dispute. You issued a statement saying it was a territorial dispute that was not central to America's national interest. There was an outcry over this. And then pretty soon after, you described, you seemed to change your view 
and describe Putin as a war criminal and say that it was central to America's foreign policy. Why did you change, and where are you now? So the last part I did not say. Um, uh, I served in Iraq during the Iraq campaign in Fallujah. I was attached to U.S. Navy SEAL Team 1. And remember, it started on what WMD. Then we had al-Qaeda in Iraq. Then it was created democracy. Then it was that. And so the lesson that I learned from there... Oh, hold on. No, don't do that again to us. Don't do that again. I promise there's actually fully audio here. I just have to get it to actually play beyond that moment. Man, I hate technical difficulties when I'm running this stuff alone. Uh, but let's let's get this here. And it was that. And so the lesson that I learned from there is if you're going to commit to do military, whether it's aid or whether it's troops, uh, you need to have a concrete idea of what you're trying to achieve. And so from the time I got out of the sandbox and landed back in the United States 15 years ago until the present, I've always felt that. And so my critique of the D.C. foreign policy elite is that they are doing a blank check policy without telling us when we will have achieved our objective. And I believe that today and I believe that then. Now, because you dissent from the D.C. foreign policy elite, they then try to smear you and say, oh, you must be for Putin. I've always thought Putin's a bad guy. I still think he's a bad guy. But that's a separate question for a leader who's got to look at the world in very clear-eyed glasses. You know that it's not all peaches and cream out there. And you have to make a judgment about what's in America's national interest. Yeah, I got to be honest when I hear the full answer and not the uh, shortened answer that was going viral to begin with. And I'm glad I found all of it. And sorry for the technical difficulties as just time is remaining on the show. Uh, It's something that I actually do agree with, uh, especially the part where you say, what does winning look like? Uh, I know for a lot of people, and I know this is very late in the show to have this take and we're just going to have it and end the show on it. I know for a lot of people who've supported the idea of the United States helping Ukraine defend itself, there was never a thought as to, well, what, what would the end of that look like? The end of that looks like a resounding win for Ukraine and an utter loss for Russia. But you have to remember when this started, most people didn't think that was possible. They didn't think that Ukraine would be able to defend itself as well as Ukraine has, which is amazing. It's, it's something to praise. It's something to talk about positively. Uh, but now, as uh, continued support has been provided, there is that question of, well, if you've defended yourself and if Russia would be willing to stop attacking, is there a deal that makes sense for everyone other than Ukraine uh, and Ukraine being upset by, say, giving in somewhere in order to stop the fight? Um, that makes sense as well to me. I've always thought that Ukraine should want all the things they're saying they want. But does the rest of the world want to continue to support Ukraine in the same way uh, to enable that? And the best thing I've said about it, and this will be the last take down the show, is that had Ukraine asked the United States, asked um, European countries for support, taking back the Donbass region, taking back Crimea, the answer would have been no. Uh, the United States and other countries would not have provided uh, that military support necessary for Ukraine to wage a war that it's been fighting for years as far as the contested areas go with proxy uh, military for Russia. So, it, again, it makes sense. You're using the advantage of having support you didn't have before from a Ukraine position to try to wage that fight you've been having for a while. But it's something that world leaders probably should be saying is not something they're willing to support in the same fashion. And that, I think that is essentially what DeSantis is saying. And that doesn't mean someone is pro-Russia or pro-Putin to say it that way, which I think is powerful because when you simplify things, well, you try to misrepresent people who maybe you hate or dislike or want to dislike. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, that's it. That's the end of the show. 